Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Window Watch. We're going to discuss all the latest Norwich City transfer news, or, or lack of, as may be the case. Um, and we'll take your questions as well over the course of the next 45 minutes or so. Connor Southall joined by my colleague Paddy Davitt, and we'll, uh, we'll chew the fat over all the various rumours and links and speculation, uh, which seems to have gone into uh, overdrive, particularly the end of last week, but maybe uh, surrounding a certain Argentinian. It um, seems to have calmed down a little bit now he's joined um, up with Argentina. Paddy, I suppose we better start with Emi Buendia, really. No no sort of better place to start, I suppose. Um, in terms of the latest and compared to perhaps where we were last Friday and you and Dave were, were discussing that last week, do you see it having moved on or any changes having sort of happened in the last seven days or so? Uh, well, as far as as far as we're aware, Connor, he's still a Norwich City player, so so fundamentally that hasn't changed, and um, and I think he will be for the foreseeable. Uh, from what we led to believe, whatever else is happening in terms of conversations and huge amounts of speculation, and we've obviously seen Villa and Arsenal now supposedly stepping up their interest. Um, that ultimately nothing's really going to uh, materialise with that man until he comes back from Argentinian duty. And on that, of course, today, um, people might have already seen, it looks like he's, because initially it was he was called up for the two World Cup qualifiers, but of course, off the back of that is the Copa America, um, which is a smaller squad than the one that Argentina have currently got there for the qualifiers, but it looks like they're going to expand potentially the Copa America squad. So, we don't know that for certain. It's not been confirmed, but you would think if he's if he was in their plans for for a twenty eight man squad, then and they're allowed to name twenty eight for the copper, then he's probably also going to be uh, be there for the length of that tournament, which I think off the top of my head is about a month or so, isn't it? So um, that is probably going to elongate the the end game in terms of Emi Buendia. But um, right here, right now, um, there's certainly there's certainly nothing imminent, uh, and there won't be um, because of the logistics of he's the other side of the world. So. Um, as far as we're aware, the latest is, uh, as you were, that um, Stuart Webber has been very, very quick off the mark. We went down there. We were privileged to have a, a, fair, a fair amount of that man's time a couple of Fridays ago now, was it? No, it probably wasn't a Friday, was it? Uh, I'm losing track. But uh, it was a couple of weeks ago. And, and in that interview window, which we've covered at length uh, on our Pink and Channels, he made it clear, probably for the first time publicly, that Buendia, Countwell, Aaron's, they will consider at the right bids offers for all of those players because it allows them then maybe to be a bit more ambitious in terms of their own uh, transfer strategy for the summer. And we'll get into that, I'm sure, in due course because there's been some some actual firm movement in terms of players they might be looking at in terms of bringing to the club. But ultimately, uh, I mean, we keep seeing 35, 40 million. I mean, it's quite laughable. Some of the, some of the, I saw 23 million yesterday for Buendia. Arsenal apparently have made a bid of 23 million. I mean, and then this morning, I'm seeing a bits and pieces about player plus, plus cash. Um, I'm not sure you want too many of Arsenal's players at the minute, given what they're doing just outside the top sort of echelon of the Premier League. So um, that's that's where we are. In that void between Emi Buendia is an Norwich player and will be, or Emi Buendia is now moved on, is sadly a lot of hot air. And, uh, and ultimately, we're adding to it, mate, today, aren't we? Well, we are, yeah. I, th- I think we, we're also trying to help people in terms of the latest that, that we know for sure. And, and like you said there, it's um, I, I didn't think we'd... I saw that I saw that report this morning as well. I didn't think we'd quite reach player plus catch time of the summer. I must admit, it's very early on for that for that button to be pressed. I can't remember how many player I'll take, plus I'll tell you what, cash I'll, deals I'll I've take, seen. I'll take Saka plus cash. I'll take that Bakari Saka plus cash, but I don't yeah. think that type of deal, would you? 
or or either of Aubameyang or Lacazette. I think that would do Norwich nicely, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I don't think Timu would be deferring to either of those two. Maybe, maybe, maybe some of them fullbacks are pretty decent, aren't they? Uh, old Tierney, I like him. He's a decent looking player. Uh, but then yes. you've got, you got your list, haven't you? So, uh, no, I don't think we need to worry about a player plus plus clash deal in regards to Arsenal. Um, I mean, I, I, what I will say on those two, that both Arsenal and Villa, it, it, and again, this flows into when things could happen here. It isn't just the, the, the dimension of Emi Buendia and where he is and what he's got on his plate at the minute. But I've seen Arsenal uh, quite clearly have to raise funds before they can bring players in. Um, I've seen, I'm seeing... Jacker, Granite Jacker, he's been linked with Roma this morning. Um, Hector Bellerin looks like he's off as well. Um, it was it was well documented they had to actually get a bridging loan earlier in the season. You know, in terms of you know Arsenal's day to day operational uh, capacity, they're outside the Champions League again. So that massive revenue driver isn't there for them next season. Um, and and like Norwich, but on a grander scale because they've yeah, Emirates holds what sixty odd thousand. They've had a year or so of of no revenue match day, and I think Arsenal. Prices wise, are probably at the top end of, of costs in terms of supporters going to watch a game of football. So, all that would seem from afar, but I think it's a fair assumption that they need before they bring anybody into the club, whether it's Udegaard, whether it's Buendia, I've seen um, one or two other players in attacking areas, they're going to have to raise funds. So, ultimately, if you've got to raise funds, then, then nothing's imminent with Arsenal. And then Villa, I've seen this morning that apparently Man City are really keen on Jack Grealish. Now, that begins to make sense then because if Villa are thinking we're going to be losing our main attacking creative force, we need to source a suitable replacement, you could conceivably see a scenario where they look to Buendia maybe to replace the whole left by Grealish. But again, if, if Man City want Grealish, that's not going to happen anytime soon because he's got, you know, potentially he's going off with England in the Euros. So I think Stuart Webber hit it right. Um, it's going to be a slow burner, whether it's Buendia, whether it's Aarons, whether it's the rest of the football market generally this summer with the Euros and all the complicating factors with coronavirus and the impact on finances. We're not going to see huge amounts of deals happening early. I think it's going to be a game of patience and um, strap yourself in for a lot more speculation, sadly. Yeah, so let, let's try and, and, and cut apart perhaps what you, what you described as, as hot air. I'm sure other people might use different terms um but but in not, terms not of, of not this time of the day before the watershed gone no absolutely no absolutely not um in terms of I, I think what's what's clear Arsenal and Villa are, are clearly interested that's that's I think that's obvious I don't think they're the only ones but from from what we can gather um don't think it's as you sort of painted out there I think there are a lot of things that need to happen before we're in the territory of a deal being in place or being agreed or Buendia becoming a, a player of a, of another club we don't believe at this stage that there have been any sort of offers not back or anything like that. Clearly, there would have been conversations, however you want to sort of inflate those. I think that's that's fairly obvious, obvious as well. But in terms of official bids, that's that doesn't look at this stage like there is any. So at the moment, we're kind of in a holding pattern, aren't we? Where Norwich are maybe bracing themselves for that interest to maybe be firmed up various situations you've panned out there in terms of Arsenal and Villa and perhaps the various things that need to happen before an offer for Buendia arrives, but equally they will also be in a position where they'll be planning as well. So Norwich fans, and, and I think I wrote about this last week, maybe even, Norwich fans can maybe relax a little bit knowing that if Emi Buendia does depart, it's certainly not going to be for £23 million, is it? It's going to be for an offer um, of certainly upwards of, of £35 million, if not 40 I suppose the 
if you want to describe it as the best, obviously the best situation is that he stays. But in terms of those interested parties, from Norwich's perspective, and in terms of maximising that fee, you would prefer multiple clubs to come in with offers and almost drive that price up in terms of a little bit of an auction, wouldn't you? And I've seen, uh, and I was going to ask you about this because obviously you're you're from the Midlands, so you maybe have a bit more of an insight on this from maybe than people from Norfolk. But in terms of Aston Villa, so I've seen sort of pockets of Norwich fans saying, "Well, why would he join Aston Villa? Why why would he take that step?" But Villa are a massive club, aren't they? Really, really big in this country and across the world as well. Talk to us about why maybe Aston Villa offer. Uh, a step up to Emi Buendia um, compared to where he is at the moment at, at Norwich. Yeah, I mean, I, you can I can understand entirely why people would draw those parallels because you know, as much as Norwich have kind of oscillated between the two divisions, Villa have done their fair share of Championship, Premier League, and between the two. But uh, it looks now that they are set up off the pitch as much as on it um, to really push on. And and if that that is right, the potential is there. It's it's fantastically impressive Villa Park. Uh, the fan base is huge. It really is. It's, it's a massive, ma- it is a massive catchment area, obviously Birmingham, second city. Um, and, you know, Farker himself, funny enough, he was asked the question, it just popped into my head towards the end of the season. Um, but that was in the context of could Norwich do a Villa and, and go in and spend the sort of sums they spent um, to obviously stay up originally, as opposed to Norwich coming back out. And then obviously now to kick on in his past season. And Daniel said, there's, there's no chance. It's just, it's not even an argument because because of all those reasons that they they are this you know pedigree club who maybe in recent times not so much but you know they did win the European Cup they have been at the top end of the English game um, and ultimately I was I sort of bracket them with a, a Newcastle that if if people at those clubs could get it right then the potential is limitless and you know look at the club who's who's knocking on the door at the minute and of course. Sadly for Norwich with James Madison, that they just fell away again and missed out again for the second season running in the Champions League. But but Leicester, who aren't as big a club, if, if you define big as fan base and, and potential and heritage as, as a Villa or, or a Newcastle even, but because they've got things right clearly now in terms of the right appointments on and off the park, um, they're able to sort of at least get into the, the conversation for the top four, top five. Um, so that shows you what is possible now. It's going to be very. It's very hard for those clubs maybe to become regular sort of top four contenders. But I certainly think in in various periods of, of time, if 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 you could pull all the strands together, there's 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 no doubt Villa could do what Leicester have done um, with with the right you know momentum behind them and the right astuteness in terms of the coaching, in terms of the recruitment, the whole you know what we're seeing at Norwich will be maybe on a smaller scale because Norwich's ambitions at this stage, clearly aren't to be anywhere near the top four, top five. It's to be sustainable in the Premier League. Now, if you're Villa, um, you're looking to, to push on. They've obviously had a very good season this time around. Um, nothing spectacular, you know, very similar to Leeds in, in that respect. But it looks like they have. And of course, you know, the big factor for them is Grealish will be a huge loss if he goes. But if, you know, they're talking eighty hundred million pounds if that's reinvested properly, then they, they, they should, in theory, be able to kick on again. So... I don't know. I mean, ultimately, is Emi Buendia, as he said in the Spanish media earlier in the week, guaranteed to play for titles and play in the Champions League if he went to a Villa? Well, no, obviously not. Not not right here, right now. But you could say the same about Arsenal, um, which is why I thought it was quite intriguing that, you know, he was asked again about Atleti, who obviously just newly crowned Spanish champions. Simeone, a compatriot, um, 
they've been linked before and we're led to believe there is interest from from overseas in Emi Buendia. So, you know, it it wouldn't be beyond the realm for me anyway. If, and of course, you know, he has, an, he has a connection to Madrid. He's got a base there as well. You know, Real Madrid was where he initially came from. Argentina was a very young man, didn't quite work out for him, but a toughie as well. You know, his links to Madrid are, are well established. Um, if, if, Atletico, if Atletico Madrid come and talk the right numbers with Stuart Webber, that deal gets done because they can offer him Champions League. They can offer him competing for the La Liga titles. Um, they can offer him a, a manager in Simeone who's regarded as one of the best in the world. So right here, right now, if everybody is looking at it and you've got Arsenal, Villa and Atletico, then there's only one choice there to make. Um, but if he's looking at maybe more, I can go in and we can kick on again. And maybe maybe he's, he doesn't feel he's quite ready now to go jumping straight in and be the main man at a top four club, shall we say. Maybe he feels he needs another little step. And if so, then maybe a Villa or an Arsenal could offer him that. So it's really fascinating, you know, trying to second guess how this could play out. But ultimately, um, you know, Stuart Webber has said that they feel there is a duty of care to these players. It isn't just about banking the most money they can. It is also almost about giving another leg up in their careers. And you look at Ben Godfrey now, it, from going to Everton, he's had a good season there. He's now on the fringes of England's Euro squad. That clearly has been the perfect move for him. Madison as well, again. FA Cup winner with Leicester, got himself into the England squad, missed out this time around, but still moved his career on. Um, and I'd imagine, you know, you could debate whether Villa are probably at that level at the minute, but potentially they could be. So we will see. But the real real good thing, I think, and you touched on it there, Connor, is that auction element. I mean, if, if, if we've got three clubs already quite keen to take the man, if he goes and does anything with Argentina, you can multiply that and, and also the fees involved. And it's worth reiterating. Um, I mean, we talked about this last week, but there is a sell-on fee to any potential deal with Emi Buendia to Hatafe, um, around about the 20% mark, which is a sizable chunk if you work it work out, you know, the profit on, on what they, they sold him for originally. So if that's six to eight million pounds that Norwich aren't going to get, then the more intense the speculation around that man the higher the fee can be driven up and the more Norwich are ultimately going to make. So, yeah, it's a very high get high stakes game of poker. I think that Norwich are indulging with, in with Emi Buendia. But the good thing is, Stuart Webber holds all the cards and that's all that Norwich fans have to, to worry about. That Whether it's him, Aaron's, Camel to a lesser extent, we had a little line in the week in terms of his contract situation. But certainly Aaron's and, and Buendia, contractually, Norwich called the shots and, uh, and Webber's not going to be bullied as he showed with Jamal and Liverpool last summer. It's easy to easier to play poker, isn't it, when you've got three or four interested parties than maybe when you've just got one and it is very, very high stakes in that situation and, and one wrong move can, can see the whole pack crumble, so to speak. Um, yeah, Alan Monument asked a question on Facebook about that sell-on fee to to Hatafe, um, which I think is is worth mentioning as well, which you've just mentioned there, on there. I've seen a few people asking whether that is based on profit or if that is just a sell-on fee in terms of your understanding if... if at all, which one of those would you would you say is it based on profit or is it just based on sell on fee in, in terms of the, the the fee that they end up getting for him? No, no, it'll be the profit. It'll be the profit. But and there's always a bit of a and it annoys me a little bit. Um, you know, it's always Emi Buendia. He only cost one and a half million from Hatafe. Well, when they got promoted in 2018 19, there was a five million pound clause that got triggered. So he's actually cost them six and a half million as it stands. So in theory, it should be the profit on. 45 million, we'll say, for argument's sake, minus the six and a half, and then you subtract your 20%. So, as I say, you know, it could be quite a sizable chunk 
and um, all the more reason to get up, nudge that, nudge that up towards 50 million, which I'm sure Stuart Webber would be. The, can you imagine that? A 50 million pound player leaving Norwich, frightening. Yeah, well, there, there was some hope, wasn't there, pre pandemic, that maybe he could be that. And uh, if, if all of the sort of wheels fall in, into place, I suppose, all the, all the cogs fall into place, then there's no reason why that couldn't happen again this summer. You, you mentioned that. If he keeps dribbling past Lino Messi, then he'll definitely be going for quite a sizable amount of money. What a Absolutely. Great and and if Argentina can keep capturing it on on film or, or or through a camera, that'd be great for Norwich, wouldn't it? As as well, can can you imagine Atleti though having a front three of Emi Buendia, Luis Suarez, and Jao Felix? That's that's pretty incredible, isn't it? Um, just finally on on him in terms of because we we've spent a, a large portion of this already speaking about Emi Buendia. In terms of odds, if you were a, a betting man and, and and you were gonna say sort of look at the odds of Emi Buendia being an Norwich player come the kick off of the Premier League season what would you kind of rate Norwich's chances at? I would say... I'd say... Probably, no, I'm just thinking, Con. I'm just thinking. I'd probably okay. say 70-30 against, I would think, um, just because that Argentina called catapults him into a whole different level of exposure um, this summer, uh, particularly if he gets any minutes and, and he does anything at all. Um you know, there's already interest at home and abroad, but uh, you can magnify that again. So every new interested suitor, uh, they, they all know the figures involved. Uh, you know, Stuart Webber doesn't really need to say much more. They know what it will cost to prize him away from that football club. And if there's already two or three willing to do that, then you would have to think at those figures. And also, of course, we'll factor, have to factor in what Emmy wants in all of this. And, you know, again, I take a little bit pinch of salt that he wants to join Arsenal or he wants to do this, he wants to do that. But ultimately, you know, as Stuart Weber always says, you know, what message does it send if they close the door on Emmy to a £40 million move to whoever? What message does that send him in terms of what we're trying to do here and, and help players on? And the message it sends to the rest of the group as well in terms of the, you know, it'll go, we'll, you'll go, but only if we decide sort of thing. So everything seems to point towards a departure, but ultimately, until it happens, it's he's still a Norwich player, isn't he? So you still have to retain an element of, you know, not assuming it's a done deal, but I think sat here right now, worth pointing out before the window's even open. So that's another reason why nothing's going to happen instantaneously. You know, I still think we're only we're about a week, ten days away from the window opening. So, you know, you don't need to worry that there's going to be a deal announced in the next seven, ten days. Let's put it that way. Um, I'd say seventy thirty against, and I'd probably say even higher for Max Aaron's. I think he definitely will go. There's no two ways about it. Cantwell, I think if they sold those two, then I think Cantwell probably does stay. Um, and then they try and resolve the contractual element of that. Because I'm not sure for all the holistic approach that Stuart Webber might talk about, I don't know what message that would send your fan base if all three of those were allowed to go before you went back to the Premier League because you're not going to be able to source three players to come in and replace what those two, those three, sorry, would offer you. So it's a it's a delicate one, but um, certainly two of the three, I'd be very surprised if, if they're still here come the start of next season. And it is worth noting at this point as well, as you mentioned before, before the windows even even open. I'm sure there'll be a few people out there feeling pretty exhausted by all this already, which is which is relatively understandable. But um, announce, as announce Southwell, announce Southwell. <laughs> as um, as Uncle Mortar's uh, not my uncle, as that's his username has uh, <laughs> pointed out on 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 YouTube, um, Atletico. If, if we're going to use that, and um, we haven't said they're the overseas seas club, we don't know that for for a fact, but it's just one that he's been linked with. Around one billion in debt, of course. Arsenal, as you mentioned, there look like they're going to have to raise funds before 
doing any incomings. Aston Villa as well do have potentially the resource, which is maybe why they're being discussed in, in the bracket. Very, very wealthy owners indeed. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how finance is playing into this, given the, the, the coronavirus pandemic has affected teams from the top of English football right down to the bottom. So that's um, that's all that to play out. But there you go. That's the Emmy Buendia situation, as we understand it, as of the, uh, the 28th of May. So uh, no doubt we'll be here in a week speaking about it all over again but that's uh, that, that, that's the joy of the transfer window isn't it um let's move on to to incomings then pad i, I guess um in terms of the major news this week it's been around their chase for a center back obviously we've seen celtics uh, chris Iyer been linked before uh, earlier on in in the summer i think that was even before the season ended actually um and he's definitely a player that that was that was on the list we've seen um we've seen two added this week i've i've tried to nail this so um they've gone for or they're they're definitely interested in yeah tossen adarabayo i think i've i think i've said that right and um cologne centre-back sebastian bornow so they're the two that they're definitely interested in um just talk to us a little bit before that about Chris Iyer. Obviously, we've seen links to to Newcastle. He's definitely a player. I can see we've already had a question. I might have to scroll back a little bit and find that. Um, maybe Tony can can flash it up on screen. Someone definitely asked about him in terms of where we're out with him. We've seen the links with Newcastle this week. That is looking increasingly unlikely at this stage. I think that's probably fair to to presume. Looks that way, Connor. Yeah, and and I think he was the one uh, they were quite sweet on. Uh, to be to be honest, I think if you, if you ranked those three you've mentioned, I think he he was a bit higher up the pecking order. Um, so if, if if that is the case, then then they'll have to move down their list. And we we do know that those those two uh, you mentioned. I'm not going to try and well, no, I won't try and I can't even got Max Aaron. I'll tell, tell you what I've done, right? I tell you what I've done with with the Fulham lad. I'll try and show him on my notes. I don't know how well they come across there, but I've actually broken it down. So um, I, I that's think that's the sort of research that means you're going to go far, Connor. That's why exactly. Tossan Adarabayo. Although I'm open to people telling me I'm completely wrong, which I probably am. There we go. Norwich Roundup says that Tosin. I'm going to go with Tosin. So um, yeah, him and and Borneo, um, who is still in action for Cologne. I think um, they're basically they finished third from bottom in the Bundesliga, which means they had to go into a relegation playoff with Holston Kyle Keel. Um, and they lost that first leg 1-0 at home midweek. So you would think they're going to face an uphill battle to, to stay up in the Bundesliga. And if, from what we led to believe, uh, they go down financially, that man will be off. Um, he's contracted, I think, off the top of my head, another three years or so. He has played for Belgium, a Belgian international. Um, really interesting backstory, that, uh, uh, no pun intended. But um, he, had to, he had an issue with his back. I think he had to go for surgery in January, I think, of this season. Um, but had a really bad reaction to the anaesthetic um, to the extent, I think, I think the, I've read some reports. Into probably, an induced coma, yeah. Yeah, yeah pretty life-threatening. So he came back from, from that health scare and, and back to actually playing and he scored the winner at Schalke last weekend, the final weekend of the regular season. Um, great story, which relegated Werner Bremen and reprieved them in terms of giving them a, a lifeline in this playoff. So, um didn't know too much about him, if anything, really, prior to uh, the links. But he, his age profile and the level he's played at, and obviously the fact you know he's on Belgium's international radar, that alone tells you he's clearly highly thought of. Um, that that is a very Norwich type piece of recruitment. You could see that happening. And, and again, Stuart made it quite clear that with a fair win, they would like to probably break their transfer record this summer, and they probably would need to just about um, to bring that lad in. So. 
we'll probably have to wait and see what happens in his second leg now. I think it's this weekend. Um, but if they go down, he won't be playing in Bundesliga too. So we'll see whether that means he's playing for Norwich in the Premier League. But you know, why wouldn't you want to come and try try your luck in, in the in the in the top tier in, in England and one of the best leagues in the world? So and and the Fulham guy, I think what's interesting me about that, I mean I've heard reports that there might be a, a, a buyout clause actually, but because he's he's come from Man City last summer. Uh, and I've seen reported figures of two million, which I find very strange for a lad who was like England under twenty international. He's come out of Man City's academy, so whether that was just they didn't think he was good enough to maybe feature for them, they've got some absolutely spellbinding centre back options to be fair under, under Guardiola. So they just basically wanted to turn that around and move him out the door. But played a lot of games for Fulham, didn't quite work out for them on the pitch. They've come back down, but but you know he's got quite a body of experience now in the Premier League, and he's such a young man. I like physically, athletically, he looks a really powerful operator. Um, and again, you could see the Norwich recruitment brains looking at him as as one who they could come in and develop a bit further under Daniel's sort of coaching. So both of those are definitely on the radar and, and we'll see what happens. But um, what I take from that type of link and that calibre of player is that's, that's the quality over quantity that Stuart has talked about and having more of a a Burnley-type approach in the sense of a slim-down squad where uh, they need to keep them fit, obviously, and, and the sports science needs to be very good. But that the quality threshold across that reduced squad is better than carrying a 25-30 man squad where you realistically know there's guys there. If they have to come in, they won't be good enough over any length of time in, in the Premier League. So I'd be quite encouraged if I was a Norwich fan that they're the level of signing they're trying to target, both in terms of pedigree, potential and transfer value as well. It's, very positive step for me. Yeah, you mentioned Bornau there, 22 Belgian, as you mentioned, six foot three, ticks all, all those boxes in terms of the, the physical side of things that we know they're looking at as well. They've got um, new sort of recruitment systems in place to to monitor players' physicality. So that, that's something else, another tool they'll be using. And interestingly, as you mentioned there, there's this relegation element as well. If, if Cologne do go down and, as you mentioned, 1-0 down to, to Holsten Kiel in, in the first leg of that Bundesliga relegation playoff, then uh, reports in Germany suggest there is a, a release cause for him as well, um, which may make that deal may, may be more financially viable than, than perhaps it is at the moment. So that's maybe, and you mentioned the, the, the buyout clause for, for Adarabio, Adab- um, that is, um, they're probably things that Norwich City will be looking at in terms of value in the market as well. So two, two definite ones that, that add up there. With, with those two, Pad, do, do you feel now, we have the names in terms of Norwich City centre-back chase. These are the two that maybe they're going to narrow their focus on in, in the weeks ahead. Maybe once sort of Bornau season does conclude and we do know whether he's going to be a Bundesliga player or a Bundesliga 2 player, which does alter the dynamic slightly. Obviously, the fact he's played in the Bundesliga this year means there'd be no issues in terms of the work permit. But as soon as he stepped foot in the Bundesliga 2, that would suddenly become an issue. So it would have to be this summer if they wanted him. It couldn't be in January. Um, and obviously we've had a Rabio, there's clearly Premier League pedigree as well there. So two different options for different reasons, maybe for the same position. But in terms of names, do you feel these are two now that, that maybe top that list for, for centre-back? Well, you would think you, they must be pretty close to, to the top of the list, is what I would say, because ultimately the, the amount of work that goes into identifying targets and, you know, Kieran Scott, uh, head of recruitment, he's talked retrospectively about the the level of detail involved in, in getting Emi Buendia over from, from, from Spain and, you know, painstaking work from all those recruitment people at, at Colney, uh, 
ostensibly, but then obviously the scouts out in the field as well. Complicated, of course, in the last sort of 12 months or so in terms of not being able to maybe go and watch these type of players in the flesh. But um, that volume of work that goes into identifying these, I, I wouldn't have thought to be looking beyond those sort of two and Aya, um, because ultimately, again, Stuart, very candidly, um, made it clear that that's one of probably four areas, three areas, if you four areas with, with the keeper situation that they're looking to recruit. And that, that's a hell of a lot of work, legwork to put in. So um, I think it's safe to say that probably at this stage, those those two are, are, are now the, the most desirable options they're looking at. But, you know, ultimately, I, I'd imagine there'll be other clubs interested in Bournemouth now, both in Germany and, um, you know, certainly further afield for, for the reasons you've already stated, you know, in terms of his age profile and, uh, you know, in fact, he's, he's on Belgium's radar internationally. Uh, and likewise, with the Fulham uh, guy, I think a lot of that would hinge on, you know, is is uh, Scott Parker going to stay there? There's talk that he might be moving on. It, maybe if that happens, then things are a little bit more up in the air in terms of the squad. But look at what Norwich did. They came out of the division and they decided that, that primarily they wanted to keep what they felt were the core of that squad to come straight back. And Fulham, of course, managed that 12 months ago. Um, relegated, came back, they'll want to do the same again. You're not really going to do that if you're really moving on a lot of the existing squad. So for that reason, I, I think it probably leans... And of course, you know, Daniel Farkas, Stuart Webber, Germany has been a very profitable area for them in terms of recruitment. They're now able to shop in a, no disrespect to the previous signings, but a bit bit more of a, a lucrative end of the market. So I think probably the I think uh, Borneo would would be of the two the one they would probably like to get over the line, but um, but as I say, there's there's a small matter of what happens with with you know with his team and and this relegation playoff. So I guess we all have to be Holston Keel fans for this second leg, don't we? We do indeed. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I've got a, a slight feeling for those reasons you kind of just painted out that maybe Borneo is the option that they would prefer but again that's not said with any sort of um, sort of knowledge at all um we'll, we'll come to a few of your your comments um there's a few questions in there which I'll leave out for for later on we've got a, a few more things to discuss but richard cole on on facebook on Buendia said 40 million is looking cheap to me i think 50 million plus well that's maybe lean, lends into what we spoke about about maybe generating an auction but this is a, a market deflated slightly by a pandemic so that's you've got to take that into account as well. Maybe transfer fees beyond Harry Kane, perhaps, are, are going to be slightly more deflated than perhaps ordinarily they would be. Um, let's see what else we've got in terms of comments. Um, Alan on Facebook has given us an insight into the, the clone first leg, which I must admit I, w- I was planning on watching and then didn't. I think maybe uh, this story might have broke, actually, which which took me away from it. But he said that they were the better side. Uh, he said that Cologne will win the second leg. They were far, by far the better team on Wednesday night. Uh, don't know if away goals count. Maybe someone can can let us uh, can let us know. But if they do, then that's um, that's certainly going to be interesting. And then the rest, I believe, are just comments, uh, questions rather, which we'll come to in just uh, in just a moment. Um, in in terms of any anything else, Pad, there's there's not really too much concrete going on. We've seen links last night to Jaden Bogle, which is probably contingency planning. I think that's fair to say in in terms of what we've spoken about about. Max Aarons, um, we, we've obviously got the, the Gunn and, and Walton stuff. Well, that's hinges on maybe Neeland and, and, you know, there'll be other names on that list as well. Um, there's there's the lad from Werder Bremen, is it Drinky, that, that was um, Sky Germany reported earlier in this week, was on the brink of signing for Norwich, which definitely isn't the case. Um, so, so that's one we can put a line through. 
we've obviously got Tim Closer returning from from Basel, and then we've got Josh King. So I, I guess it's probably up to you in terms of any of those that maybe you you want to discuss. But those sort of things are all going on in in, in the background. It seems to be very Buendia dominated at the moment. Heavily, heavily Buendia dominated. Yeah, I mean. Um... From what we're led to believe, there's nothing imminent incoming wise, um, and we've already said that um, because it's going to be a bit of a slow burner. Um, that they did, they, and to, to, to emphasise the point, what did we get two or three days ago? You touched on the, the, the Neeland, and, and that was that was part of a, a release they put out with a bit of housekeeping about you know confirming Tete, Vrancic, Skip, uh, Xavi, Quintilla, and also a few young lads being released. So it's almost as if they're just you know dealing with, with the, the housekeeping elements of the, the contractual side as it stands. And then I still think it'll be, for me, I, I don't see too much happening this side of the Euros tangibly in terms of, you know, announcing signings, signings appearing with scarves above their head and shirts outstretched. I don't think we're going to see that this side of the Euros um, because ultimately the, the level of player, and we've touched on it now at length in, in this broadcast, the level of the player they're targeting is, is considerably higher than previous windows and those type of deals, the finances involved, the interest from other parties probably take a little bit longer to put together ultimately. Um, so yeah, the drinky, the dinky, drinky, dinky. <laughs> what was his surname again? I, I, haven't, got, I haven't got that one. Broken cares, out, cares. So. He's not coming. He's not coming. Exactly. But, like, that was, that was a bit of a bizarre one. I mean, was, he was like 19 and uh, I think he played literally about, 20 minutes or so for, for Verda over, over the entire season. I mean, you could see it in terms of development squad, but uh, I, I didn't I didn't really see that one stacking up. But obviously, fairly reputable source, Sky Germany. But um, yeah, definitely there's nothing in that one. So, um, And then other than that, I think Bogle is a very interesting one. I, I, you could conceivably see Max Aarons moves on. That's the type of player they would be looking for. And it's very similar in, in many respects to... Uh, Adorabio, isn't it? You know, in terms of a very good, young, highly rated, well schooled, obviously came through under Frank Lampard at Derby. Um, hasn't really played too much in Sheffield United's 12 starts last season, but obviously they had a very settled backline, which which got them out of the division, kept them in the Premier League, but it obviously for various reasons hasn't worked this past season. But uh, probably didn't want to expose him too much um, into a team that's losing most weeks. That probably wouldn't have done a lot for the lads' confidence, but. There's obviously a player there, a very talented young player by all accounts. So I could see if Max is to move on, I could see that making a lot of sense. Um, and and with all of these, whether it's Villa looking at maybe Buendia instead of, you know, as an alternative to Grealish, hypothetically, or whether it's Bogle, you know, moving moving into the space vacated by Max Aarons, it's a very difficult thing to pull off because ultimately if Norwich go looking for a right-back after Max Aarons has departed for a lot of money, then you can guarantee whatever right-back they, they they try and bring in, there'll be a, a Max Aarons inflation to, to the fees that they're being quoted. So do you do those sort of deals in advance? But If you're fairly confident that uh, Max, for example, there is going to be a tangible bid and it will make sense to all parties and you move them on. So there's so, so many different facets to how this window could pan out, really. But I think ultimately, underpinning all that, don't want to risk repeat myself, but underpinning all that, it's going to be a slow one. I don't think we'll see anything really this side of the Euros tangible. Um, and so we'll, we'll probably be doing a lot of these for ne- the next few Fridays, I would think, and not really saying too much in terms of a, a tangible signing or two. But um, yeah, I think I think at the minute I, we get the sense that the central defensive 
aspect is is the focus. Um, I mean, Josh King, there was a, one or two bits out today on, on social media that, that maybe if Eddie Howe goes into Celtic, clearly player he knows very well from their Bournemouth days, that maybe Celtic would have a look at him. Um, that makes complete sense to me. Uh, but we do know that that area of the pitch, wide player can play down the middle, is one of those that they are definitely looking actively to recruit. So um, maybe that's where Dinky came into the equation. But uh, I think it will certainly be uh, an upgrade on Mr Dinky. Good luck with the rest of your career, young man. Absolutely. Um, just in terms of, of the goalkeeping situation, obviously Norwich put out a bit yesterday, didn't they? And they released players who we may come on to later if we if we get a little bit of time in that. Nealand's talks continuing. Yeah, you have to say the longer this goes on, the, the less likely it looks that, that he commits. But who knows in, in terms of what office he has on the table. In terms of, of Angus Gunn, it seems there's some, some interest from Wolves amongst others. Um, I, I would add to that as well. And I think he, he probably would be open to joining Norwich as well if, if the the project was sold to him as maybe being Tim Krull's long-term successor because, of course, this is a man who was on loan at Stoke who I think would have been fairly keen to have him back on loan another season, but Southampton have decided to to um, to pull that agreement according to reports in, um, sort of down sort of local press down in Southampton. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that. But, of course, with, with Garn and with Walton, both names on a list and, and they will be there amongst others. And of course, it's, it's you don't need us to, to sort of pan out and, and explain why Angus Gunn is of interest to Norwich City. I think anyone of a Norwich City persuasion would um, would know that. Um, in, in terms of, of Josh King, Pad, as, as you mentioned, a lot of stuff out there already today. But that one, I would argue, maybe always seemed unlikely given the wage demands maybe that, that he attaches. So there's that element as well. And, and and that's kind of where we are, isn't it, in terms of incomings and outgoings. But no doubt there'll be plenty of um, work continuing in the background. Um, let's let's dive into some of the comments that we've got. And we've got absolutely loads. So we might have to, uh, we might have to skip. Why are, we talking? Why are we talking, Connor? Just keep bringing these lovely people onto the show. I, I absolutely will. Um, we'll start with Patrick Brighty on YouTube, as who, who said any follow-up on the rumours about Robert Andrick from last month, the, uh, the central midfielder at Union Berlin. I believe they've just qualified for... Uh, Europe, the UEFA Conference League, of course, which is um, which is in force next season, but European football nonetheless. What, what do you make of of those links? A, a midfielder who's who's already said publicly that he'd like to come to England. Yeah, I think I, I saw something saying he'd like to try his luck in London. I think I might say this on one of the, it might have been last Fridays. I'm losing track now, but um, technically, technically Norwich isn't London, but you could definitely commute to to London. So I don't know from a lifestyle point of view whether Norwich would make sense. I'm sure he's looking at you know some familiar faces at Norwich and of course they could offer him Premier League football but um, no he's not a name I think we've heard too much in terms of uh, people inside the football club in, in recent times so I think that probably was a little bit more of a two plus two could equal um, because clearly Norwich are in the market for holding midfielders um, there's not really been too much I mean the, the uh, Turkish international who was linked whose name escapes me now is it Ozan Ozan Tufan yeah yeah but um, by all accounts you know, he, he probably will have his pick of some more established Premier League clubs this summer. So I, I don't see that necessarily. Um, and obviously, we all know the, the situation with Ollie Skip. They want him back. They'll wait until the very last minute of the window if they have to, uh, to get him back. Um, that's interesting that Pochettino might be in talks to go back there. I don't know what that, that probably wouldn't help Norwich's case, I think, because he would know all about Ollie Skip, you would think. So time will tell. But, um, but for me, um, central midfield, I think, could hold the key. I mean, ultimately, we've spent a lot of time here talking about 
central defensive options. But you look at what they've already got here, and Graham Hanley's just come off probably his, arguably his most consistent season, certainly in a Norwich shirt, but maybe of his career. Um, ben Gibson, so much to prove after how it turned sour at Burnley. I think both of those, you would you would be reasonably confident that they could could go up and, and hold their own in the Premier League. Um, we've obviously got this young Irish sensation on Obama Daly who's coming through now as well. And, you know, huge question mark. I'm, I'm not talking in terms of he would go into the Premier League and be a, a you know a frontline option, but he certainly potentially could be in the mix in terms of the squad makeup. Um, Christoph Zimmerman, of course, as well, you know, if he gets over his, his injury issues. But it's less for me about what they do central defensive-wise in the summer. It's all about what they do in the middle of the park because we saw, you know, how absolutely pivotal Ollie Skip was to that sort of nuanced switches that Daniel's done to the style of play and uh, and to try and get themselves ready to go back to the Premier League and be a little bit stronger in that area of the pitch, um, which is obviously why he moved on from Tribal and, and Leitner. Um, and if it's not to be Skip, it needs to be similar types of player. And and if they if they don't really recruit well in those areas, then you would fear that you know it might be more of the same because that because that screening role, that ability to to read the game, to put out fires, particularly you know if if Norwich are, as they were far too often in the last Premier League campaign, too susceptible um, when teams broke on them with pace. You know those counter attacks. Some some of those teams literally like the Red Arrows. I mean I remember Man United, Car Road, and uh, Villa as well. Even in fact, although they you know they heavily hit with injuries around that time, early part of that season. But, you know, ultimately they need to get it right in the centre of the park because I, I don't think they've obviously got not really got enough in, in the squad as it stands if you're relying on Lucas Rupp and Kenny McLean with the greatest respect. I think they need upgrades in those areas. And uh, yeah, of all the what could happen in the transfer window this summer, for me, that is the key area because I think that, get that right, that could dictate whether they stay up or not. Agreed. Yeah, it was it was maybe arguably the major issue in the Premier League last time, wasn't it? That that midfield that midfield area. Um, Oliver Bensley on Facebook has said, uh, "What out of contract players uh, do you think uh, Norwich could be looking at? <laughs> Adam Reach, uh, Asan Valonga, uh, Andre uh, Dizel. Uh, he was at Ipswich, wasn't he? I think in Townsend. Um, I don't know which Townsend that is. I presume the West Brom Townsend, Connor Townsend. Um, Pad any." Any out of con- I guess Josh King falls into that category, yeah. doesn't he? But you would imagine Norwich City will be pitching themselves at maybe a higher calibre of player than than those four mentioned. All day long. I mean, what does Stuart Webber say? I keep referring to it, but you know, ultimately he's the main man. So anything he says, we have to attach significant weight to. And he basically said a good window for Norwich is by the end of it, not only the eleven, but the squad is better than what they've got at the minute. And with the greatest respect to those players that ran along the the, the ticker there, none of those improve Norwich's squad. They certainly don't improve the eleven. So, yeah, absolutely, it will only be upgrades, and hence why the the ones we can talk about with certainty that they're being linked with are of a level that you would you would probably say are an upgrade on on what they've got, or certainly add to what they've already got. Agreed. Uh, D Sexbury on Periscope. Hi guys, do you believe Norwich have already got any deals done but won't release until it's open? I guess they've got two, haven't they? Which is Unulis and, and Gibson, yeah. which I'm sure Norwich fans will be aware about. They, they won't be announced until July the 1st officially, but as, as good as done. But beyond that, as as we've referenced, Pad, nothing, nothing imminent. Just a lot of things probably bun, bubbling under the surface. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I don't think there'll be any 
draws with contracts in with locks and keys at Colney yet. Yeah, I think uh, plenty of talking. You can be you can be sure now. Stuart Weber is um, is needing a few phone charges through the day because uh, the amount of calls he'll be fielding from agents, uh, agents acting on behalf of clubs, agents acting on behalf of players would be off the Richter. So, uh, but you know, ultimately, it's probably going to be a lot of talk. And then, as I say, I keep saying it, but I think the Euros really does hamper what clubs are going to want to do this summer because it, you know, as we discussed right at the outset, Emi Buendia isn't physically in the building. It's very hard to get a deal done. Well, ditto for any players and ultimately the players Norwich are probably looking at. Um, maybe in those central areas and maybe that wide area might well be at the Euros as well because that's the level of player they want to try and attract. Absolutely. Uh, Eastern Underground Sounds, which is a great name. Uh, do you think Jose Fonte would be a good signing as a backup free agent? Lots of experience. He must be getting on a bit now. Um, yeah. He was former Palace, Southampton, wasn't he? he um, was he in France there? Do I recall? He might be. He might be. I can have a quick Google and tell you in about two seconds. Yeah. Totally just, uh, was, uh, Captain Lil to the title. There you go. There you go. 37 years 37. old, though. Yeah. So you, you have to say probably yeah. um, probably slightly pushing the the profile that Norwich City would look at but <laughs> certainly certainly a, a reasonable shout um Brissini I hope I've said that right on YouTube predictions for highest value signing figure in this window 10 or 11 mil yourself okay yourself Tom? yeah yeah I would agree I, I think any any basically discount if Norwich get linked with a 15 million pound striker then you, you know to ignore it uh let's see what else we have got here uh, just fill in. Uh, yes, uh, to Jake's question on on YouTube, we we spoke about him a little bit earlier. You can you can catch that uh, probably in the last section where we spoke about the the two centre backs that they're looking at. Uh, here we go. Here's a nice one. Edward Kelly has uh, has asked. I'm curious who's Pookie's backup. I'm not a Norwich City fan. Which uh, there you go. We're we're widening our audience to non Norwich City fans at least. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much for watching, Edward. Hope you're in, enjoying the the insight or lack of that that we're providing. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, you've given a pronunciation lesson today. This is like an English class. That, there you go. Uh, who is who is Timu Puki's backup? Um, well, at the minute, it's two players, Adam Eda and uh, Jordan Hugel. Uh, Adam Eda will certainly be on the Premier League journey and, and seen as one who can potentially step in and step up. Uh, Jordan Hugel, some of the noises we hear, uh, you know, if there was a hypothetically a championship club who came and offered a significant amount of money to, to tempt Norwich they, they, they might consider uh, that deal uh, and if so they, they aren't looking clearly for an out and out striker uh, to come in and compete with with the main man basically if he's fit he will play and that's the end top and bottom of it so hence why they're looking for a bit more flexibility in that final third of the pitch and a wide player who could potentially or has potentially in the past played down the middle but uh you know, it's a fair point because ultimately, two seasons ago, when Timu Puki scoring goals for fun and winning the Premier League Player of the Month for August, and first Norwich player since Evan Okoku scored a top flight hat trick, it's well, why do you need to park very expensive additional strikers on benches because you don't need one? But then, of course, he got that injury at Leicester, I think, in the December of that season. He was never really the same player. Um, and Norwich didn't really have a justifiable backup. You know, Josip Dermic was the man who came in, bar one or two eye-catching moments in that FA Cup run. He didn't really cut the mustard. And uh, that's why I can understand why if there's any Norwich fans out there might be slightly concerned about what if that scenario played out again and Timu was out for any length of time. He's obviously had his injury 
issues. He's got them now. Obviously, going into the Euros with Finland with this ankle problem, um, that would be a worry. But ultimately, I think we touched on this before that if you've only got a finite amount of money to spend in the window and you feel there's other areas, and we know the centre of the park is an absolutely key area, you really need to divert your attention and your funds maybe to that area and not roll the dice, but but hope that you know you can cover maybe other parts of the squad um, with a bit more creativity from within in terms of Adamida, for example, stepping up. And and to be honest, you know, he, he had a very disrupted campaign, but, you know, he scored on the opening day at Huddersfield last season. He scored on the final day at Barnsley. And both of those goals, very similar in terms of his penalty box awareness and predatory instincts. And, and that, as we've seen at every step of his career, if you get the right service to him, I think he will score goals. So ultimately, it's to be decided. But I think Adamida, in the right sort of setup, could score goals in the Premier League. I'm not saying he would displace Tibu and suddenly be, uh, you know, the next greatest thing since sliced bread. But I think he has the capacity. And that's more importantly, whatever I think. I think that's what Stuart and Daniel think. They think he has the capacity to step up and impact in a positive manner should Timo be unavailable through injury or whatever. Uh, Norwich games in the Premier League. So, great show of faith in the young man, I would say. And, and that's why, as things stand at least, of course, it may differ if, if a suitable offer comes in for Jordan Hugill, but as things stand right now, that actively they're, they're not looking for a striker, isn't it? Because of because of Adam Eder and, the, and they feel he can cause the, the Premier League by surprise. Although, as, as we've already spoken about, a winger that can maybe play centrally um, is is certainly on, on their list. Uh, Jake Tidy has uh, asked on YouTube, any news on Ryan Gould to Norwich? I read something yesterday saying that apparently he's got 20 offers on the table, which is an uh, incredible piece of of work by his agents to get that out there. But um, I, I would, I would say probably highly unlikely given, given um, maybe the caliber of player that Norwich want this season, but albeit has, has done very well in Portugal this year. Pad, have you got anything to add in terms of Ryan Gould? No, I don't think that, that, that's not one. I don't think they'll be pursuing. I don't think there was anything more than, you know, a little bit of speculation around that. He may be, maybe because of the profile of player they're looking for one who was on a list, but uh no, I've not. I mean that that link's been out a good three, four weeks now. Certainly feels that way. Anyway, two or three weeks at least. Um, I've not heard anything recently that would suggest there's anything hard or fast about Norwich and Ryan Gold. So I think we can move on. Did he? Um, he's Scottish international. Did he make Steve Clark's squad? Or did not? I don't think he did. No, I think yeah. he he, cho- he chose uh, Gilmore and Turnbull. Uh, yes, that's it. Yeah, of course. Well, nearly did sign for Norwich, didn't he, a couple of, of windows ago. Not uh, not transfer related specifically, I suppose, although you could argue it is a, maybe an, an incoming transfer. Any news on BK8, which is the, uh, you might have to um, nudge me on which country it is, but... Um, I'm getting tired. I might have to check Asia anyway. We said Asia. Yeah, a- Asian online. Is it, is it betting or casino? Ooh, I'm, I'm not yeah. quite sure. Well, but yeah. uh, Chris Harvey has asked any news on them as, as the new sponsor or, or just a rumour. Pad, is, is there anything you can say on that? I think, I think, uh, without giving anything away, I, I think um, you wouldn't want to go too far away from looking at them as uh, as the next sponsor, ultimately. Um, but I mean, ulti- that's for you know the club to, to announce as and when. But uh, it would appear that there is something in that. So um, yeah, watch this space. Obviously, Daffabet, I think, are the current sponsors. Um, so they'll they'll be swapping one betting company for another it would seem uh, which is a different debate entirely but uh yeah i think i think it's safe to say that 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 is a company who probably you will hear a bit more of in the future regarding norwich city absolutely uh sonny on youtube said any news on the moritz lightner situation he wasn't mentioned as a player leaving the club 
in July. I mean, where to start on, on Moritz Leitner pad? He, he has some lovely food. That's all I'm going to say. He eats some really healthy food. He, he does a lot of running as well, judging by his Instagram stories. But uh, I never see him too often with a ball at his feet, which ultimately is what his professional career is, isn't it? So, um, yeah, I think uh, very strange because I, mean, I, I haven't got it to hand, but he must he's still this side of 30, isn't he? I don't think he's, he's old, is he? I mean, he should be in his prime, actually, now, really, if you think about it. Um, given his pedigree, you know, on the bench for Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League final. We've got the Champions League final coming up this weekend. Uh, at his age, to be, you know, essentially without a club because he hasn't kicked a ball really, has 28. he? 28, yeah. 28. I mean, it's, it's sad on one level, it really is, because we all saw the ability, you know, uh, what a what a classy, technically gifted young footballer or, or footballer, and uh, for whatever reason... Um, and all I would say is look at all the clubs he's been at and, and never really settled anywhere. So for me, there's a common denominator there, and uh, good luck to the lad. But he, he, he won't be he won't be doing anything at Norwich anytime soon, that's for sure. And I think he's approaching the final twelve months now. I think him and Tribal are in the final twelve months. Um, so you would think you're getting to the point now where they need to shake hands, maybe come to a mutual agreement, and then part ways because um, because if you're a footballer and you get into the last twelve months, you've got you've seen. You know, this summer the amount of free agents that are out and about at all levels of the game. I don't think that's that's a that's a as a footballer uh, trying to earn a living. I don't think you want to throw yourself into that scenario twelve months from now when you when you're out of contract. So, I, I would think if it was him and his advisors, they'd be well served to try and get him a move this summer because um, you know you can't trade on on your reputation as a on the bench for Borussia Dortmund for for much longer. I wouldn't have thought. No, copy and paste with uh, Tom Tribal and, and, and Josip Dermic as well for, for all the other questions um, that we've had. Uh, a few more. Uh, Bethnal Yellow and Green on Periscope has, has pointed out that it's not just the Euros this summer. The Olympic uh, football uh, runs right up to the beginning of the season as well, which is a, a very good, um, very good point as well. Uh, and I think that might be it in terms of transfers. Uh, ben Ambrose, good friend of mine, so I'm hearing there's going to be scouts watching two young talents down Kringleford Park later today. I can neither confirm nor deny that, I'm afraid. Um, but but there we go. We'll see how that goes. And then uh, the, the remaining questions we've got, Pad, are, are really ar- around the kit. And it's it's fair to say that in terms of, of that front, it, it remains to be seen, doesn't it, in terms of, of new suppliers, beyond the fact that they're going to have one. Um, in terms of names, that, that doesn't seem something that is certainly in, in the public domain as of yet. No, probably a little bit like the sponsor. It, it feels like, and I've not spoken to anyone specifically um in the last 24, 48 hours on the commercial elements. But I, I think that it probably it feels like looking at it that they may be le- leading up to a bit of a, a bit of a summer barrage of announcements in terms of sponsors and, and kit and new manufacturers. And um, they just need to time it right, don't they? There's no, you don't want to be doing it as Timu Boot is kicking off for Finland in the Euros. So uh, I think they're probably just working out. And of course, with all of these things, we've seen it. You know, it always has to be a grand production, like the kit, for example. There has to be this grand Hollywood-style production that takes quite a while to put together, I would have thought, in terms of video and social media campaigns. So maybe that's why, because um, I've seen quite a few clubs now who have released their new kits for the upcoming season. So I'm sure, and of course, the whole merchandising element, I guess it's the logistics of timing it so that the, the new kits uh, are actually readily available and in the outlets, you know, the, the store uh, in the city and obviously the Carrow Road itself. So... There's probably a lot of moving parts to them things, but ultimately, that at some point this summer, Norwich will be announcing a new sponsor and a new kit manufacturer and a new kit. But as Stuart Weber always says, when you talk to him about the kit, because apparently he 
gets pulled into these conversations, but uh, he literally always flippantly asks, well, is it green and yellow? Well, yes. Well, there you go. So you, it's a bit of a variation on a theme, isn't it, ultimately? Unless you go petrol blue slash Ipswich for the away kit. Not yeah. again. Yeah, I was going to say something tells me that they won't be doing that again. Have you seen Southampton's? That's a that's a really smart uh, smart yeah, kit as well. Is that Hummel? Yeah, right? Hummel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they do make some some decent kits. I think that, I think that's about it, Pad, in terms of sixty seven minutes and everything we know in terms of Norwich City's current situation on on the transfer front. Um, I think we've managed to pack that all into a video, unless someone is is going to shout that we've that we've missed something. But I think we've just about covered it all. Anyway, um, anything between, as, as Pad said, now, certainly between now and, and the end of Emi Buendia playing for Argentina is likely to be uh, little more than, than hot air. But of course, any developments on any transfer fronts will bring you at pinkin.com um, as and, and, and when we hear them. Pad, thank you very much. Enjoy your afternoon. Uh, thank you all very much for watching. Stay safe and we'll see you all again very, very soon.